Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everyone. As we discussed last week, we are now changing our name to the oddcast and so whilst we get all that stuff in order um just putting up an old episode of a new winter cults and culture for you guys to listen to in preparation for next week's episode which is going to be about bloodborne something that is truly odd um oddborn if you will um i can't take credit for that that was dan sorry but uh yeah so do give this one a listen and i hope that it gets you all excited for next week's episode the premiere of podcast thanks guys bye hey guys before we start today i wanted to let you know that we recently updated our patreon page which now has a whole bunch of tiers and goodies patreon.com slash a new winter you can submit what episode should be on you can even be on an actual episode and we have an exclusive podcast feed where we do episodes that won't appear anywhere else we just put up an episode discussing the american office or to americans the office and also try to break down the timeline in avengers endgame I've also finished a couple of short stories that I'll be recording soon, so I'd love to do more of those. And the more you can help, the more time I can spend on them. So if you have the means, then support the show. Otherwise, just leaving a review and rating goes a long way, and it's free. So whichever you choose, if you enjoy the show, support us, and let's get more stuff happening. Patreon.com slash a new winter. Hey guys, so today's episode is going to be on the computer game, Dark Souls. For people that don't know, this is often cited as the most difficult game of all time. Um, And we'll get into that a little bit later on. Um, But I've had a funny relationship with this game and this whole series generally. And the more I've been playing it, the more it's actually influenced the stuff I do and how I see, um, you know, other bits of fiction and you know the actual work that i do um so it's actually been quite an influence and uh it's in a quite a short space of time and i think um i can speak for a lot of people when they say they they experience the same thing for people who don't know um dark souls is by uh the game developers called from software uh by director hidetaka miyazaki and from software i believe they actually literally started as office software 
Um, but yeah, they're known for making a series of games called Kingsfield um, back back in the day. Um, and they also did a game which is the which Dark Souls is the spiritual successor of, and that game was called Demon Souls. Um, now I actually played Demon Souls, and after about ten minutes, thought, "What the hell is going on? I don't understand it. I died, and now I'm somewhere else, and I don't know how to do anything." Um, and I never returned. But I've actually kept my PS3 and the original game um, just in case I would ever return to it. So literally, it's taking up some space in my cupboard. And the only game that I've got on it, because I sold everything else, is Demon's Souls. So that's how much um, I really still, you know, want to play it. And I will play it at some point. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, maybe if you guys push for it enough, um, you know, and comment and stuff, then, uh, you know, I might actually do an episode episode on it. Um, so Dark Souls. It's originally released in Japan, September 2011 on PS3 and Xbox 360, in partnership with Namco Bandai. Um, so... I would say that I've done the first hour, um, which is essentially the asylum section for those in the know. I've done that bit about six times over and over again, just that one bit um, since it got released. And it wasn't until I actually bought the Switch, Nintendo Switch Remastered Edition, that I finally thought, you know what, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to smash it out. No excuses. I'm going to keep going. Um and see what I can do. So the reason why I kept starting and stopping it was because essentially uh, I was intimidated by it. And I, there was points where I was like, I, after I'd done those first bits, like, I don't know what I'm doing, where I'm going, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And it just got a little bit too too much of me. And then I'd give up and then I'd think, oh, you know, everyone keeps talking about it. Maybe I should give it another try. And um, there were points even during my playthrough where I hated it and loathed it. Um, but it did, it ended up being one of the best games I had ever played um and I think a lot of people can say say the same about that um I, why I think it's because uh I think tonally it's very dark it looks cool I mean it takes place it takes place in a land that was once full of glory and is now all tired and decayed and I quite like that aspect of it it's very dark um the monsters look cool uh, the bosses and stuff the enemies are great I like the idea of like the birth and rebirth. You're not just dying like you do in a game and the narrative kind of switches you back through time to your last point. It actually, you know, makes a difference here. There are consequences to it. And it's actually part of the fiction as it were. Um, I like the in-game beliefs about all the gods and, you know, how the, the world is kind of put together. Um, and it, you know, it is a cult game. There's a huge community out there who think this is the most amazing thing in the world. I can kind of appreciate that. So I thought it definitely appealed to you guys as an audience. And let me know if you have any questions or any comments or anything, if you have any thoughts on it. Um, yeah, I'd be super interested to hear. And uh, you can email me at anewwinterpodcast.gmail.com or through Twitter, a new winter, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm really interested in Dark Souls memes, actually. Um, I really enjoy I really enjoy just browsing uh, on the internet for them and Instagram as well, at a new winter. So send them. If you know any good ones or whatever, send them through to me because I, I really like reading them looking at them i should say so what is dark souls it's a third person action rpg uh essentially you can play the game in any style that you like really um you have a you can choose a character class to begin with like any good fantasy and um i usually go for the strength build um so whoever has the highest uh, attack strength and it's been said that you can do you can do the magical thing but pyromancy is apparently the best way for newcomers because you're it's power at a distance, essentially, and it's not so reliant on 
the melee um, controls, as it were, um, of like rolling about <laughs> for the most part. Uh, but yeah, I like to try and go for the uh, strength build and basically make myself a walking tank um, or a bit close to, to actually the giant dad, which is a popular viral um, build uh, that's in Dark Souls that I put, I'll try and put the link to in the in the show notes. Um, so the problem is with something like that, though, that is it's your loadout because essentially you will have a lot of heavy weapons and heavy armor and it weighs a lot and that matters in this game. So if you're carrying a lot, you'll go slow and you do what is known as a fat roll. And it was only afterwards that I complete, when I completed the game that I realised that rolls mean uh, when you're doing a roll, you actually have iframes, which are called invincibility frames, which means that you're invincible for a small section of time. So you have to time it just right. So when you're getting attacked, you do a roll and you essentially roll through it, which is a quite funny image in itself. Um, if you're doing a fat roll, your rolls take longer. Um, so, you know, you've got to time it even better. And I think you get less iframes as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the one mistake... Uh, is one well i made a couple of mistakes when i was playing this game but um i didn't really realize that rolls had iframes until the end so uh i should have rolled more i did roll a bit but it was more to dodge than thinking i'm actually be able to roll through an attack and um the other mistake i made was uh i played the whole thing solo offline uh usually it doesn't really matter um in a in a game but there's such a strong multiplayer aspect to this and a lot of people say actually that um the multiplayer is half the game uh, but I played it on the Switch and I was off and out and about, so I didn't have an always-on internet connection with me. And I want to go through my phone, obviously. It's too damn expensive. So firstly, why does it matter? You can leave messages um, for people anywhere. Uh, at first, when, you, when you're when you playing the game, you'll see them as part of the um, uh, tutorial, as it were. Uh, these notes on the ground, but people can do that, members of the public. They can help. They can tell you where doors are or if there's treasure or watch out. Um, they can also try and trip you up by saying like jump off here for treasure and it's just to your death um so yeah it's quite an interesting mechanic in itself you also notice uh you might start seeing apparitions of other people playing um, they're not enemies they are literally other people playing the game and they're where you are um there's also blood stains which you see these like red circles so if there's an area where there's a load of red circles in that means that a lot of people died then there's probably something that's going to kill you but you can touch it and when you touch it you can actually see what happened, how that person died. Um, it's like a little replay almost uh, within your world. And so you can learn from that, hopefully. Um, you can also leave marks to be summoned by other players. And you can also summon other players into your game. This is usually done for bosses, um, especially if you're, you know, if you're having trouble, you can summon people. Uh, and to do all this stuff, you have to be human. Um, and to be human means that um, you have to uh, use a humanity which is a resource within the game. And they're quite rare, fairly rare. Um, once you uh, use them, you become human. But once you get killed, you are once again, like, uh, well, hollow or, you know, have a hollow look about you. And you're no longer human, which means you can't summon. So if you need help, you use your humanity, but you can only do so um, a limited amount of times. Um, alongside this, whilst you're human, you can be invaded. Uh, that means that a red phantom from another game that's hell-bent on killing you will come in and, yeah, try and <laughs> trip you up. Um, and this is essentially the PV PvP uh, element, which which people do and still do. And that's why um, yeah, it's still a popular game to play to this day. It's interesting to hear the stories that come out of this, uh, actually. But, yeah, they can really, you know, F your sh up if they want to. Um, you can also join Covenants, which are essentially... Uh, 
groups and you'll find them throughout the game um and yeah you join them and you can level up through them and you get some rewards and uh yeah it's all an interesting part of the game uh, it's part of the reason why people always return to it and I, I really like it i really dig it um so yeah uh i think it's um i like the way that i think it's fair uh, I don't think it's difficult for the sake of being difficult, which a lot of people say. Um, and I think there's something triumphant about it, uh, facing adversity and, you know, conquering it. And that's why um, a lot of people say, oh, it helped with their depression and things like that, because essentially you're coming up against a something that's bigger than you and you feel like, you know, you can't defeat it. And you actually can <laughs> if you go about it the right way or, you know, come back stronger um, or however you, you know, you want to do it. Um, and bear in mind, like, people beat these bosses, um, yeah, people have beaten them with like rock band peripherals, but people have also, you know, they beat them with nothing. They just roll around and stab them with a okay sword they found. But they're able to time it and do it enough that they're able to dodge everything. Um, so there's no reason why you know you can't do something. But I like the idea that you are able. You get that feeling that you're able to conquer it. When you beat Dark Souls, um, it does feel not like a rite of passage. It's a, you know, it's because it, but it's not actually that difficult. And I know people are going to say, like, you know, oh, yeah, look at you. Um, it's nothing like that. Uh, and it's, it's not this whole thing of, like, get good uh, culture. Um, it's just that it's very fair. And I think there are ways to approach uh, things in different ways. There are a few points where I think, yeah, this is really difficult and sometimes bordering on the sake of being difficult for the sake of it. And I'll come on to those. But I don't think it's too much outside the realms of possibility that everyone can play it. Um, so yeah, uh, in terms of the story, there is one, I didn't realize until afterwards what it actually meant, um, or what anything was about. Um, but there is the, uh, introduction video. So let's, let's have a listen to that. In the age of ancients, the world was unformed, shrouded by fog, a land of gray crags, arch trees, and everlasting dragons. But then there was fire. And with fire came disparity. Heat and cold. Life and death. And of course, light Then, from the dark, they came and found the souls of lords within the flame. Nito, the first of the day. Witch of Isolith and her daughters of chaos. Gwyn, the Lord of Sunlight, and his faithful knights. And the furtive pygmy, so easily forgotten. With the strength of lords, they challenged the dragons. 
Gwyn's mighty bolts peeled apart their stone scales. The witches weaved great firestorms. Muto unleashed a miasma of death and disease. And Seath the scales betrayed his own. And the dragons were no more. will fade and only dark will remain. Even now there are only embers. The man sees not light but only endless lights. And amongst the living are seen Carriers of the accursed dark side. So, yeah, I went through this whole game without really understanding what the hell was going on. So when I researched it more, I did realise that there was there was just lots more to it that I didn't realise was happening. Um, so the problem is, what, you know, why didn't I get it? The problem is that the dialogue that people speak, there's just so little of it anyway. And it's all in like old ye English. And for the most part, it doesn't actually seem to make sense. It's just super tough to decipher. Um, and actually most of the storytelling is in world. Uh, a lot of it is actually found in the item descriptions, which, you know, unless you know, it's a dark souls game, you, you don't really read item descriptions, but especially when you get the souls of the bosses, they'll tell you more about that character. So it's actually quite revealing. Um, and it's what makes it very unique because it leaves enough gaps in the story for you to fill in with your own theories and imagination. There's there's channels, YouTube channels, like uh, I think Fit Year Vada or something, I'll put it in the show notes, which their whole channel is dedicated to just the lore. Um, but this intro video just tells us the most about the actual story. So what does it mean? So we're told that in the beginning, there's nothing. <laughs> um, there are dragons that are flying around, they rule everything. And then fire appeared and with it came four Lord Souls. Now, Nito, Gwyn, the Witch of Isolith, and someone called the Furtive Pygmy picked up these Lord Souls and they basically became walking gods. Gwyn led the group and they took on the dragons. And they had a defector called Seath the Scaleless. Uh, he didn't have any scales and therefore he was mortal. Um, and he wanted to kill the other dragons, I guess. So he joined them, uh, defeated the dragons. And the Age of Fire began. And Lordran became this... Did really well, basically. Um, so... What happens is after this glorious time, the fire starts to fade. Uh, people start dying. There's this curse going around. People are turning hollow. And the idea of going hollow is you die and you lose a bit of yourself each time when you come back. And at the end of it, you basically go insane and you become one of the enemies of the game. Um, it's interesting if it's talking about, you know, the, the idea that you go senile, that you, you know, when you lose your identity and there's a lot of that and a lot of people in the world like forget what they're doing there or where they are even if they look human um they're really scared of going hollow basically um and yeah essentially you become a zombie is what it is uh so the dark is rising um and Gwyn and all the others need to do something about it 
they try and rekindle the first flame or make another one, depending on how you decipher the Japanese. But unfortunately, it just makes things worse. So now here you are, your character, you're stuck in the asylum because you're close to going full on hollow and you're just sitting there. You could have been there for a million years, as far as you know. And suddenly this guy, Oscar, uh, a knight of Astora, pushes a corpse down with a key so you can escape. Now, Oscar's close to going hollow himself, we find out. So he wants you to continue his pilgrimage. He tells you about the legend of the chosen undead and says about leaving the asylum, making your way to Lord Drennan, ring this bell, um, and then he dies. And actually, you can come back here later. And if you do, um, he's actually gone hollow and he attacks you. Bloody bastard. So this is where the game really begins. Uh, You get out of yourself and the asylum is basically a tutorial area. You learn about the fighting mechanics, about movement, and about bonfires. Now, bonfires act as your save points. Um, they, you, you collect your souls from your enemies and you use them here to level up and you get stronger. If you die, then you return to the bonfire without your souls. And if you make it back to where you died, you can actually get them back. Um, but if you die before you can get them back, then those souls are gone forever. Now, this causes a lot of anxiety. And in the beginning, I was like, oh my God, I've lost like 600 souls. Oh no. Um, and by the end, I think I used to lose like 100,000 souls and be like, yeah. Oh, well, it happens. Um, and you start realizing that it doesn't really matter that much because there's essentially unlimited souls out there. And it does become a pain, but um, it's not the end of the world if you use them. And if you have to grind a bit to get get souls back, then that's what you have to do. Um, you have a health pack. It's called an Estus flask. And you fill these up at your bonfires. You only get so many and it only fills up so much. As you go through, you can upgrade it so it'll fill up more and you'll get more of them. Um but yeah, every time you return to a bonfire, you set, set it alight, the enemies respawn. Apart from bosses and things like that, but the general enemies, they, they come back. Um, this doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. You should do it because you're always kind of moving forward, but it's just something to keep in mind when you do. Um, so you pretty much almost immediately at the Undead Asylum tackle your first boss. This huge thing comes in, uh, drops in from the ceiling, and you are scared shitless, as you probably would be. Um, I mean, you realise actually that there's a door at the back and you run through there and this leads you around and about and you actually get above the boss and then it, uh, there's a little um, message there that tells you about doing a falling attack and you do the falling attack on the boss and it's knocked off half its health. So it's a little bit more manageable now. Um, so, yeah, you after that, you are uh, walk out and you're picked up by a bird, essentially this big crow, and you're taken to the Firelink Shrine in Lordran. Um And for pretty much the entire game, this is your hub and it's got very uh distinctive music which i love and which is like this So when you get there, you're told you actually have to ring two bells of awakening. So you go on your merry way to do just that. Uh, the common mistake is to go through the graveyard where you almost definitely die. Um, and that's where a lot of people drop off. And I can understand that. But instead, you have to go up and you go up through an abandoned village called the Undead Burg and through to the Undead Parish. Um, it was actually in the parish where I got onto an elevator and then the music suddenly seemed familiar as I was going down. I realized I was at Firelink Shrine and Somehow I'd gone full circle. And for me, this was amazing. And I noticed how shortcuts work in Dark Souls and how important they are and how much joy you actually get out of them. And it would take me to get to that point to the Underberg and the Undead Parish. It probably take me about eight hours or something. I just kept dying, couldn't get it. It was getting really frustrated. And finally I was like, oh, I'm back here. This is brilliant. Um, 
when I think about it, that's actually, it's mad. It took me that long. Maybe it wasn't that long, but still, it took me a long time. Um, so you you can make your way through the parish and you'll take on, uh, um, there's, there's a load of buses on here and I won't go through all of them, but these guys are the Bell Gargoyles. And this is like the first real threat to me that I was really like, oh my God, because there's two of them. They fly, they breathe fire and stuff. And it was also the first time I summoned someone. Um, and you can summon NPCs. They don't have to be human, but you have to be human in order to do it. Um, and then after that, you ring the first bell. Uh, after the first bell, you go um, and you can take on a thing called the Titanite Demon. Um, kill him. You can go through to the Dark Root Garden. And through there, you can take on this Moonlight Butterfly again. This took me a while because he flies around and I was a melee build. So I had to keep trying to get close and I couldn't. He throws magic at you. Um, and, uh, you can also work your way down to the dark root basin where there's a hydra, uh, which is, you know, six, seven headed thing in this, in this lake. Um, and that, yeah, this place has a few connections to, to the other world, the other world here. Um, and there is an element here where there's a door that's locked. Uh, you can buy a key for it from the, this blacksmith and you can grind here in this for and i don't mean like you can use grinder and find some some guys in the forest um you and there's these human guys who have uh can give you a lot of souls you can kill them fairly easily um so this means that you know you can kind of there's a bonfire nearby you can kind of level up quite quickly by just respawning them and killing them and coming back so yeah that's what i did and i was able to level up fairly quickly uh you can also go back to the um asylum uh if you wanted to uh, if you do um, you go back and uh, it's it's a really convoluted way of getting back and I don't know how you would do this without actually knowing exactly what to do but you essentially do a bit of platforming get back in the nest you get taken back um, and then in you know why would you want to go back well you can take on the, as a, a stronger asylum demon the boss that you just took on there and um, there's also a uh, item uh, this little doll that you need to get into a hidden area later on which I'll come on to um, and yeah, you might just want to explore it a bit more. People like exploring the dark souls. It's part part of the whole nature of it. Uh, but yeah, once you've done all that, the dark root garden aspect of it, and again, that's actually quite optional. You don't have to do the moonlight butterfly or anything like that. Um, but you go to the lower undead berg. You can take on the Capra demon, who is probably the worst boss in the game. In that he, it's this very small area. He's got two dogs, and if you don't kill those two dogs straight away. You're screwed, basically. Um, he looks quite cool, but it's this tiny, tiny thing. And they're so powerful. Um, and it's just a lot to take on in a, in a short um, amount of room. Uh, but once you kill him, then I think you get a key. Um, you can also, uh, I should say as well, going back to the dark root um, garden area. Uh, this is also where I took on Sif. Um, Sif is known as one of the, the best bosses um, of the game because he's basically a massive wolf or dog with a sword in his mouth. It's actually quite difficult. And he's guarding this um, uh, gra gravestone. And then what happens is near the end of the fight, when you're killing him, he's limping around. And it's a bit sad seeing this dog like limp about. Um, and then you get this ring from, uh, from this graveyard, which it becomes a bit important later on. Um, so yeah, you've got this key from the Capra demon. You've killed Sif. Uh, then what you want to do is you want to go down to the depths uh, and here you take on the gaping dragon, which is basically a walking monstrous vagina. Um, and from there I went on to uh, Blight Town. Blight Town is known for being horrible because not only is it really dark, 
Uh, there's loads of ladders and places where you can fall off. You can't see anything. There's loads of poison everywhere. It's literally full of poison at the bottom. And also the frame rate is really low, which means that the game is kind of trying to chug it out. It's not really working um, as smoothly as it should do. And it's a real nightmare to play when it's like that. It's like as if it keeps pausing, basically. Um, so you make your way down and then you take on Quellag, who is uh, the top half of a beautiful woman. And the rest is a spider, <laughs> disgusting spider. Um, and when you kill her, uh, right afterwards, there's a secret pathway where you can see a sister and you realise Quellag is trying to get these souls and kill people basically to give to her sister because her sister's in constant pain all the time. Um, and that's quite a nice story. And then you start realising that maybe you're not the hero of this piece because you're essentially going around, um, like Shadow of the Colossus a little bit, you're going around killing people um, for your own benefit, basically. Um, yeah, it's quite sad. And then you ring the second bell of Awakening and now you can get into Sen's Fortress. Now, Sen's Fortress is a bit like an obstacle course. There's a lot of jumping. You have to time things right um, as you're being harassed by enemies. And uh, it's kind of a bit... <laughs> There's some Indiana Jones rolling balls that you have to run away from. Um, it's quite funny. So you go through this thing, you pass this test, if that's what it's supposed to be, narratively speaking. You get to the top and you take on the Iron Golem. Once he's killed, and you can actually make him fall off the platform, actually. It's a, a way to cheese him, so it's called. Um, once he's dead, you get taken by these uh, kind of gargoyle-looking things, a bit different from the ones before, um, to Anor Londo. Now... And Orlando is the big royal palace area of, of the game. This is where Gwyn lived, essentially. And you can see it's this beautiful landscape. You see the castle in the distance, but it's obviously completely empty because this is a million years or whatever in the future. Um, and there's a library here. Um, and to get to the castle, you have to kind of go around on the platforms of the library. And there's a way that this world makes you feel like you're not wanted here, which is quite interesting. Um, and this is a prime example of it. Like to even get through, you have to notice this little hole in the window and all this stuff. Um, but you drop through and here's where is, uh, the, there's a massive painting. That's the hidden world of the painted world or whatever of Artemis, um, where you use that doll. And when you go through there, um, you know, that's, that's quite an interesting place in itself. It's completely optional. Again, there's a, there's a dragon there. There's a lot of these weird crow people hanging around that you've got to kill. And then at the end, you see uh, Crossbury Priscilla, who's like, hey, stop killing us. And you can just go back from there. Or like me, you can just try and kill her. Um, and yeah, so there's a lot of these times you can get uh, with these bosses, you get um, souls. And with these souls, you can make specific weapons. And by the end of the game, I had so many of these boss souls. I was like, well, I'll just use them because I've got my load out now. I don't need any others. But, you know, people are a bit obsessed with collecting and you can. You can get some pretty cool weapons with all this stuff. Um, so yeah, once you're back in Anolondo, you make your way to the castle. Uh, here's really annoying because you have these knights that shoot arrows at you. They can push you off ledges and it was so infuriating. Um, but still, uh, and then you basically make your way through to the Ornstein and Smo fight. Uh, this is quite infamous because they are very, very difficult. They're the hardest enemies of the game, I would say. And I almost used up all my humanities trying to become human and summon people. But luckily... I did it before I was you know, laid out because I had to go away and grind a bit and come back because I was thinking, if I can't summon anyone, I have literally no idea how I'm going to be able to do this because it feels like it's impossible. Um, once they're defeated, you're deemed worthy enough uh, to be given the Lord Vessel by Guinevere, Gwyn's daughter. It's this luptuous um, 
larger than life lady. Uh, now, here's something I only found out after I beat the game, but you can actually, if you hit her, um, you know, with your sword, she'll disappear and you'll be introduced to Gwendolyn, who is the son who was uh, brought up as a woman. And um, he's been using magic to maintain the glory of Anna Londo. But, and now the magic's gone, the illusion's gone. And suddenly you see Anna Londo for what it is. And it's all like nighttime, basically. It's dark and it's gloomy and glum. Um, and Gwendolyn, you can actually go and fight him as an optional boss fight. I, I haven't actually done this ever, but um, it's a possibility. Um, but yeah, you're given the Lord Vessel. So why is this important? Well, narratively, you use it to collect the Lord's souls now. The, you're going after the big guys. Um, and it also allows you to teleport to different bonfires, which is exactly what you need. So it's usually from this point that people think the start, game starts going a bit downhill. I can kind of understand that because it does, is a bit repetitive. Um, essentially, you're traversing a different land, you take on a boss, you get the soul, and then you go to the next place. Um, and there's no real plot continuation as such. It's not scripted or focused. You just go and you know do whatever you want. I did enjoy the first half more, but it doesn't ruin the experience or anything like that. Um, you may also notice that your, uh, your fire at Firelink Shrine has gone out. Um, well, your firekeeper's been killed. So if you get her remains, um, it was killed by Lortrek, who was someone you might have saved earlier on in the game. Uh, you can actually go to Anorlondo and take on Lortrek um, by finding his black ball and it starts buzzing or something when he's nearby and kill him and, you know, rekindle your um, Firelink Shrine bonfire, which I do recommend doing. Uh, you may also see that um, uh, Kingseeker... Um, Frampt is here who's basically some kind of like like something from the never ending story this weird like giant lizard dog thing or dragon or whatever it is um and he'll basically tell you that your purpose if you are the chosen undead is to um rekindle the first flame and to rule over everyone take Gwyn's place and all this stuff um so you're like, okay, yeah, great. You've got to go kill all these, all the great lords and get the Lord Souls. Fine, that's your new mission. Um, so you're off. So now uh, you know, there's other stuff you can do. You can go to um, the Great Hollow, which is essentially a huge tree in Blight Town. Uh, it's quite well hidden. It's behind two invisible walls. Um, and when you get to the bottom of there, uh, you really are far down now, bear in mind how far down Blight Town was anyway. Um, and there's these mushroom people who look like Betamax from Big Hero 6 kind of knocking about. Um, and at the bottom is Ash Lake. It looks like a beach at first. I think you realise that it's actually ash. Um, it's burnt up uh, corpses or something, I imagine. Um, there's there's nothing really down here. It looks nice. And you see these like huge giant cheese trees going up and people are like, oh, is it different dimensions and stuff? Yeah, okay, maybe, yeah. Um, there's another Hydra here for no reason, like copy-paste. Um, there's also a dragon here. This is where you can join uh, the covenant of the dragon, basically the dragon's covenant, whatever that's called. Um... This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's it, really. It's quite it's pointless otherwise. Um, but to do with the plot, where's next? Well, we'll go back to, you know, the graveyard where you got killed before, probably. Or I did. Um, it's the catacombs. So... Uh, when you go in, you might notice that the skeletons are starting to come back to life. Um, there's a, I think it's a necromancer there um, who brings them back. So you've got to kind of go in, kill that necromancer. Um, or you get a cursed, uh, uh, sorry, a cursed weapon, a divine weapon, um, which will keep them dead forever. Uh, you'll notice that this area kind of looks a little bit like Uncharted or Tomb Raider. Um, and you also kind of find these wheelie skeletons who are really annoying. They kind of stun lock you, which means that you can't move when you're hit. And they'll just twirl around, like, knocking off a lot of health as you go around. Even with your shield, they still do it. Um, you then take on Pinwheel. He's a weirdo that apparently is his, has his, is his made up of a family under a cloak, uh, which is quite horrific when you think about it. Uh, he's known as the easiest enemy um, boss, I should say, of the game. Um, and he kind of, once you kill him, um, you go through to the tomb of the giants. This is where it gets really, really dark. And there's a load of giant skeletons here or skeleton giants, however you want to call them. Um, and yeah, there's these like weird, like four legged creatures who look like the stuff of nightmares and it's just generally great, but it's really, really dark. So it's recommended you bring a torch or something to this, to this bit. Um, once you get to the end of that, you take on Nito. He's one of the coolest looking bosses, I'd say. He's like a, basically this huge hunched mass of skeletons. Has a huge scythe thing and just looks fucking cool. Um, you get skeletons that will try and rise and kill to kill you, so you kind of want to do it quite fast. Um, but yeah, he's he's not particularly tough. I didn't find, but um, yeah, once you kill him, you get your first Lord Soul, uh, and then we'll go on to a place above Anolondo, which is a bit more brighter now. Um, which is called uh, the Duke's Archives. Essentially, it's a big library, um, and you'll go to face Seath, who we talked about before, the albino dragon. Um, and it's quite tough, this battle, because basically you can't beat him. <laughs> and you get killed. Um, he's invincible. And you wake up, um, and you're in, in a prison. 
Um, and you find out later on that he's been doing experiments and all this stuff with crystals and all this with, because he wants to live forever. Um, and you're able to fight your way out. You get to the, uh, the crystal caves, literally is what it says on the tin. Um, and there's invisible party, which is really annoying. You can only spot them when snow essentially falls on them, which reveal their positions. You have to take that Indiana Jones style leap of faith. Uh, but you make your way back down, you battle Seath again, but now you can turn around and smash that crystal that's been making him invisible, uh, invisible, invincible. And, um, yeah, now the fight really is on. Uh, once you defeat him, you'll get your second Lord soul. See, it's not so bad. Um, and now you'll go to the new Londo ruins. So this area is full of ghosts. Um, and it's a part of a sunken city, apparently that was drowned. Um, now with these ghosts, you can either be cursed. You can either have a cursed weapon or you can have a transient curse, which makes you cursed for a little bit. Um, and it runs out and you can kill these ghosts. And there's a lot of them and it's worth doing. Cause they go through walls and all this stuff. Um, but you fight your way down, uh, you kind of get rid of some of the water, you go further and further down, the enemies get a bit tougher, and then you walk through into the abyss, which is pure darkness. And this is the darkness that they kind of talk about, um, the darkness rising. And you fall through, and if you haven't got Sif's ring um, on, then uh, you will fall to your death. If you have, then you land on some kind of platform, and you take on the next boss, which is the Four Kings. Now, they turn up one after another in quick succession. So you've got to make sure you make tidy work, um, very quick work of each uh, one of the four kings as they come along. Otherwise, you'll find yourself surrounded, which is not good. Um, so, yeah, once you kill uh, kill them, uh, you'll get another Lord Soul. And it's now down here that you might meet Kath, <laughs> Kath um, who will tell you that uh, you actually don't need to rekindle the first flame. Uh, you can rule and bring in the Age of the Dark because apparently... The age of the dark is the age of the humans. Um, so this might sound good to you. Uh, but, you know, seeing as the dark seems rather evil, then maybe not. Uh, but, you know, you, you, he's telling you that you do have a choice. And the only way I think if you see him is if you come here before you get the Lord Vessel. Um, that might not be correct, but I believe that, uh, yeah, he doesn't just appear automatically. So you've now got your third soul. How about that? So we're going to go back to where you defeated Quilag. Um, and you may have noticed that there was loads of lava behind it. Well, you're going to go there now. So when you um, go around the corner, you notice a huge lava demon known as the Ceaseless Discharge, which is an amazing name. And I want to know what a Ceaseless Discharge actually is. Uh, maybe I should Google it. Well, I come up with Dark Souls now. But um, yeah, it's like a spot that doesn't stop or something when you pick it, you pop it. Um, you can actually cheese him by making him fall um, by hitting his hand, I believe, or something like that. It's quite apparently quite easy. Um, but yeah, uh, you defeat him, and then further on is a centipede demon, uh, which when you defeat him, he'll give you a ring, which helps you stand on the lava, which you might need. And now you're going to fight your way through um, Lost Isolith. Now, all this stuff, to be honest, I would say it is boring because it's a lava level, which is quite gamey in itself. Um, and I just found it a bit tedious. Uh, there's these huge annoying demons down here um, that will kill you quite quickly unless you kind of get in there first. Um, and you need to like stand on the lava, so you need this ring. Um, yeah, yeah, but anyway, you finally get to the end of it, this bit and you'll fight the bed of chaos, which is essentially... A tree. It's a big tree. Um, and it can be quite difficult. Um, you kind of have to hit 
both sides um, of of this thing, and it will start shooting lasers and stuff at you, and you give a big swipe, and it becomes really difficult to time it. But you have to then kind of fall into this into it as a, into this tree, and you'll notice there's this a, a maggot thing in the middle. And when you hit that, oh, you've defeated the boss with one hit. Uh, how about that? It's funny. Um, and now you've got another Lord Soul. Well, well done. Yeah, you've you've got all of them. So now is where you might want to do the Artorius of the Abyss DLC, what is widely known as one of the best DLCs ever for anything. Um, essentially, you have to go to even get there, to even access it. You have to go behind where the Hydra was in the Darkroot Basin. You have to kill this golden crystal golem to, uh, to free this princess. Go to the Duke's archives again, find this golem, a certain specific golem, which is actually quite near a bonfire, so it's not too bad, but still, um, get this broken pendant. Now you go back to her, and all of a sudden you're dragged back into the past by this hand. Um, so once you're here, this is you're in the DLC now, you're essentially fighting your way through this old city where everyone has been tainted by um, by the dark, by Manus, who's this creature that accidentally, well, that came about because they accidentally dug up a corpse or something. And um, yeah, he's known as the father of the abyss. And as you're getting there, you're confronted by, a, um, well, you're confronted by a boss almost immediately, but after a little bit, uh, you go to a Colosseum and there you'll fight Artorius, who's quite infamous. Um, he was a Sif, if you remember the dog wolf thing from before, his, his master. Artorius was known as saving the princess, but you find out that it was actually you because Artorius is like all full of darkness and stuff. He's been tainted by the dark. Um, and you take him on. Uh, you kill him in a pretty cool fight, to be brutally honest. I really enjoyed that fight. It might be the best boss of the game, maybe. And uh, you can now um, venture through uh, through the city and down into the abyss, um, where there's loads like lost souls wandering, and it's really dark and depressing, and you can't really see anything. And when you face Manus, uh, it's quite like your fight with the four kings. He just comes out of the darkness, Um and yeah, you have to kill him. It's quite a cool boss fight. And once he's done, you know, you've made the world a little bit less abyssy. It's a bit, bit less dark. Um, so now if you feel like you've done everything, which by this point you probably have, uh, then you, you're suited up, you've got what you need, you feel ready. Then you're going to go fight Gwyn in the Kiln of the First Flame. This is the final boss. Um, you'll present the Lord Vessel and then you'll be able to make the short jog through... Um, kiln in this area through some knights and stuff to to face Gwyn and instead of a big bombastic final boss crescendo the music that comes on it is uh very small and sad like you're doing this guy a favor by killing him let's listen to a little bit of it So now that he's dead, um, you then have the choice to go to the flame and rekindle it. And what you <laughs> suddenly realise is that by rekindling it, you're watching yourself and the whole area around you come up in flames. <laughs> so you've sacrificed your, yourself and all those souls that you've accumulated are essentially, I, I imagine, what's fueling this fire as well. Um, and, you know, the Lord souls as well, obviously. You've got those as well, haven't you? And that's it. Well done. You've completed the game. You're dead. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, there's another alternative ending, though, uh, where you can walk out 
if you remember that Kath said. Um, and you'll see Frampt there as well, which is weird. Frampt and Kath, some other of these weird dragon things, dragon snakes. And they'll bow down and praise you as the new king as you walk off into the darkness. And that's another ending, which is best. I don't know. <laughs> you tell me. Um, I had gone, because I hadn't seen Kath until um, I was told about it afterwards. So I had touched the flame, rekindled it, thinking that was what I was supposed to do. And yeah, just watched myself burn alive. Um, quite a you know, fitting end, I suppose. Um, and that's it. Well done. You've, you've done Dark Souls. Um, so plot-wise, it's pretty good. And there's a lot of detail in there. Um, it might not sound like there's no... There's, there's nothing really happening in terms of your character development maybe as such but in terms of the world and that's built around it um i think it's pretty cool and i like it and i like the fact that they've left enough room and scope for people to kind of do what they want with it um and tonally it's just great it's like it's sad it's just a sad game um that you know it's the equivalent of like listening to joy division or something um but in a action rpg fantasy setting so it's, it's quite a big influence and i think mainly not just because of the look but the tone uh the game design here influenced a lot of people um and there's dark souls 2 and a dark souls 3 um and i'll probably do dark souls 2 because I've, I've completed that recently um so i can talk about that bit yeah there's bloodborne which came out on playstation which uh, i still need to do as well uh, there's now Sekiro Shadows Die Twice that came out recently and, and they've just um, announced uh, El- Elden's Ring or whatever it's called, Elden's Ring, which is with George R. R. Martin who did Game of Thrones. So this whole um, template as such with, you know, from, from software I've done has, has gone on to do uh, really well. And these games are known as like some of the best games ever. Um, and I can I can see it. Uh, the great thing about it story-wise is that there's all these great like side characters and, and their stories. So, you know, as I said, like, so Kath comes up and he'll, yeah. So when he comes and tell you, he tells you it's actually unnatural for the age of fire to continue and that darkness should reign, that that's the natural order of things. Um, that this age of darkness is the age of man and you can rule over it. As I said before, and he says that Gwyn is actually selfish and deluded. So you might choose to believe that. Um, but there's this whole, like, there's loads of other little stories that kind of go into some you might miss entirely. Um, you'll find that probably the most popular NPC, and often thought of as the son of Gwyn, actually, that was cast out, is Solaire. Um, he's a cheerful fellow, and he's in search of the sun. Uh, if you if you chat with him, you can unlock him um, at the Bell Gargoyle Post, who also give you the white soapstone, so you can get other people to help you out, or help other people, I should say. Um, yeah, and... Each time you see him, he gets a little bit more down and he's a little bit more depressed um, and kind of forgetting things or whatever. Uh, and you see him in the demon ruins um, and he has a sunlight maggot on his head uh, and he comes and attacks you um, and you have to kill him, unfortunately, at the end. There is a way to kill the maggot actually and thereby save him, but it's a rather complicated route and people, unfortunately, usually um, have to defeat him. They don't really know anything about the the, the maggot. Uh, there's Sigmire, poor old Sigmire. Uh, not only does he look like an onion, <laughs> but he's always one step behind you. Um, so as you wander through the world, defeating enemies and opening doors, whatever, Sigmire comes to the realisation that he's just a bit of shit. <laughs> to be honest, each victory you earn is one more that you've taken from him. Um, and, you know, the good ending with him really is to just put the game down and not play it. Uh, there's one point in, in Lost Eyes of Earth where he decides he's going to jump into a, a pit 
and help distract some enemies. And you can stay and try to save him or, or watch him die while you run on. Uh, if he survives, he turns up dead on the sands of the Great Hollow, um, or Ash Lake, I should say, with his daughter looking over him. Um, and, well, perhaps he'll come back again, but if so, it'll be hollow by the sounds of it. Um, but, yeah, uh, if you uh, save him, then, yeah, that's just it. You can't, you've not let him die in glory. Uh, and, yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a sad character to be brutally honest and if you let him die a hero that would yeah that would probably be the good ending wouldn't it there's Havel I had Havel's armor for, for pretty much the entire run of the game uh, when I first got it um, he surprises you in a tower uh, which you can get with the open with the master key which is one of the uh, beginning items you can choose um, he's just straight out trying to kill you uh, some people say it's someone else in Havel's armor it's not actually him himself uh, but later on you see a room uh, in Anolondo, where yeah, he's where he clearly must have once served Gwyn, and in there, um, there's a chest which is guarded by a mimic, which is one of my favourite characters in the game. It's a fake chest that turn into monsters, um, and there's an occult club in there which he used to defeat gods. So, some have said that Havel was trying to kill Gwyn, and he got banished basically, and has turned hollow. Um, but again, those are stories that have been made up just through people building up the details that are in the world around them. That the fact that that everything is there for a reason and people have tried to piece that together. It's, it's interesting. So, you know, that's just a taster. There's, there's more going on here and, and that's what's great. Dark Souls leaves you a lot of space um, to have your own story. And, you know, everyone everyone does have their own story when they play this game. Uh, so, yeah, in terms of awards, it was uh, it got a lot of Game of the Year awards and uh, nominations, um, to be honest. But it's more to do with its legacy and its effect on the games industry in in general. Um, as, as time went on, 2013, Digital Spy named it the best game of the seventh console generation. 2014, Edge magazine, which is you know highly regarded, named it um, Dark Souls the best game in the seventh generation uh, as well. And um, in 2015, it actually topped the magazine special issue of the 100 greatest video games. So literally... Edge thought it was the best game ever, and that's really that's really saying a lot. Um, same in 2015 with Games Radar, it was in the uh, 100 best ever games. Um, a Rock Paper Shotgun, it was nominated as the the best RPG on a PC, um, and yeah, it's just had a real lasting legacy. There was uh, you know there were different editions that came out afterwards. August 2012, Dark Souls: Prepared to Die was released on Windows, um, and then the additional content uh, here was released onto consoles as DLC in October 2012, which is the Artorius of the Abyss. Um, and now 2018, there's the remastered edition, which you know I played on Switch. Um, so that's it. It's, it's a game that really sticks with you, uh, and the more you put in, the more you get out of it. Um, and that's it's really true. So that's why people who like it usually love it and are so passionate about it because it feels very personal to them because they've invested a lot of themselves into it. If that makes sense in terms of story, time, um, effort. Um, and, but it's all come back, you know, as a, as a reward. And again, the more you delve about the story, the more you read about it or hear about it, or, you know, listen to the theories and all this, the more, the more that you get back out of it. Um, so I do highly recommend playing it and don't be intimidated by it at all. It's not, it's not that it is difficult, especially at the beginning. And I get that, but it's not impossible. And anyone, if I can do it, anyone can do it. To be honest, I'm not that great or anything at video games, 
But um, it's just about perseverance. And end of the day, if like any of these games, and I had it with you know Final Fantasies and stuff like that. If you if you're too weak, then come back and go and grind and just come back just a bit stronger. Um, it's not it's not crazy. You don't it's not rocket science either. Um, you know, it, and that's one way one way of doing it. And I know you say you shouldn't have to grind. You don't have to grind at all. But if you feel like it helps, then you should do. Don't go in thinking that it's going to be impossible because honestly, it's not. And part of the game, and part of the joy of the game, is actually just figuring things out for yourself. Um, not knowing where to go, knowing where not to go, <laughs> um, trying to figure out what does what and, and all this. And once you've kind of got that, you'll be able to apply that to the other games of the series as well and understand it. And it's weird because it kind of does open your eyes to other games and how they're actually made and constructed. And since Dark Souls, any other game that I've played is actually, weirdly, it's been put in a different light because I'm like, oh, this is like holding my hand too much or um, I'm not getting as much out of this as I've got through something like Dark Souls. Or like, why is, you know, there's so much, like Far Cry 5 I was playing and it's like, God, this is just a checklist of stuff. And I know that's kind of... That's what you get with those games. But it just felt boring. I wasn't doing anything. I was just like, I'm not getting anything out of this. Um, So it's weird. It does kind of put a different skew on it. And you find that's why people are so passionate about it and talk about it so much. So I think it's it's one of those games where it will have a a positive impact, I think, on on the way you view video games. And it's something that's a little bit different. Um, So, yeah, that's it, guys. Uh, If you want to... Um, have any questions or if you want to comment on it, if you think I'm right, if I'm wrong, you can email us at newinterpodcast at gmail.com. Get on Instagram. We're on Instagram. We've got hardly any followers at the moment because we just opened it up and we want to get more. That's at a new winter or on Twitter at a new winter. Um, everything just, uh, come and come and have a look. Of course, if you want to, if you enjoyed the show and you want to make a contribution, you can do patreon.com slash a new winter, but just leave us a review. Um, preferably a favorable one. Uh, because we want to get more and more people listening and I want to talk about stuff that I like and inspires me and um, all that stuff. I want to talk about that more and I can do when when you guys um, are able to support the show. So thanks very much, everyone. And I highly recommend going out to play Dark Souls. What are you doing? Go get it right now. Cheers. See ya. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.